What we sang about this morning, that he has broken every chain, there's salvation in his name. That is the message I hope we never get over. That's the message that that I hope we come week in, week out, that we are declaring at the top of our lungs, hallelujah. Praise the Lord that he would do that for us, for you, for me. And that's the text that we're going to look at this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 through 12. And we're going to look at a message that the angels can't get over. The angels are looking upon this good news, this gospel message, and they can't take their eyes off of it. That's my hope for us this morning. That's my hope for you individually this morning is that we would come to a place where we cannot take our eyes off the good news of salvation that Christ has accomplished for you, to you, to me. 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 through 12, uh, I want to introduce to you this morning uh, a person uh, that I've never met. That person that I want to introduce to you, they're just two who's been too encouraged. Anybody know anyone? They're just too encouraged. I've never had anyone say to me, you know what, Justin, life is, I'm just too encouraged. I really need some discouragement in my life. And, and what we see here is Peter is an encourager. If you're here this morning, you're like, I'm looking for something to do in the kingdom of God. Be an encourager. Be the chief encourager. There's always people to encourage. There's always people to lift up. There's always people to point to the good news of the gospel. That's a great task. Peter is an encourager. I looked up the word encouragement this week, and it's the act of giving someone hope. And I thought about that in light of our our passage last week of of just this hope-filled message of what awaits us in our future King Eden, what awaits for us in this this new earth, this new Jerusalem, this new Eden. And, And we see this, and and, and, and there's a hope, and, and so we're to stir one another to that hope. We're to stir one another. And what we see in it from, from Peter, this is going to be like our final encouragement from First Peter, it from, from Peter, before we get into some of the responsibility. So what Peter lays out throughout all of this intro, verse 1 through verse 12, is he's encouraging us. He's reminding us of our identity. He's reminding us of this great hope we have, and he's going to wrap it up with this great word of encouragement here in verses 10 through 12, and then we're going to get into the therefore, and we've talked about the therefores. The therefores are there. We have to go, what what are they there for? And so he's going to tell us that there are things that we got to do. There's implications for our life that this gospel identity that we're be informed in should lead to gospel living. And so we, we see in this text that, that we have a big therefore coming up, which means all of the things, verse 1 through verse 12, are meant to stir us up, are meant to put our attention upon the good news of the gospel, to stir us up in who we are, in our identity, in our assurance, in the surety of the gospel. It's meant to stir us up, and then the fruit of that 
is we begin to live out the gospel implications that he's going to talk about for the whole rest of 1 Peter. And so I'm going to encourage us today. That's my hope. Encourage you in this great news of the gospel. What, what Peter does here is he's establishing this relationship before responsibility. And as a note, that's the way the entire Bible flows. We never see these requests or rules laid out like preceding relationship. Everything that we are to be as Christ followers it empowers it. He's stirred by our relationship with Jesus that, that all of these things, he empowers it. He works through us to see this great fruit come about. And so it, it's not just about like, just gritting your teeth and, and, and like really trying to live out this faith. It's meant to root ourselves in our identity, root ourselves in the gospel. And once we become overwhelmed, because here's the deal, the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes everything. If you've heard the gospel, you believe the gospel, you will be changed by the gospel. You can't help but be changed. And that's my hope for all of us this morning. First Peter Verse 1, 10 through 12, it says this. Consider, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was into them that they predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that have now been announced, things and those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. What Peter's going to say here is he's, he's going to bring this encouragement to this group of believers who are in exile all across modern day Turkey. He's, he's speaking this word of encouragement to them. He's drawing from things in the past and pointing to how it's relevant to them right now. And my hope is to draw from these things in the past and show you this morning how there's, there's relevance in this text for us. First point I want to make this morning, it's all about encouragement. Be encouraged by the grace that is yours. It's yours. You have it. It's yours. It says in this, this passage in verse 10, it says, concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, they didn't fully have it. Did they experience the grace of the Father? Absolutely. But they didn't know it to the full that you understand it today. It was a grace that was to be yours. All they could do was search and inquire about it carefully. What were they searching? Well, God spoke to them, and as these prophets and as these preachers, they, they were given the word of, the God, word of God, and they would go, and they would preach, and they would proclaim, and we hear like these, these horror stories of these prophets going out and proclaiming, and no one listening, and, and turning, and they had a message to give them, and, and what they did is they were almost just combing through the words of God that God gave them, 
searching for hope, searching for answers, searching for this future redemption. They were like, there's, there's something coming. We, we don't know what it is. Like who, who is searching for a place and a time? They're looking for a person. They're like, who, who is going to be this redeemer of the world? When is this going to happen? And they're searching and they're inquiring, but it's not theirs. It's yours. It's yours. You have this grace in Christ Jesus. It's yours. And this should change us. And, and Paul, Peter is speaking here to this, this exiled people, and he's saying, they, they didn't have this full understanding and revelation that you have today. You know more about the gospel of Jesus than they did. And it should stir in you hope and encouragement and fruitfulness. It's yours. It's yours. All they had was this future hope, future hope, that it was going to be fulfilled in a future lifetime. And they would search, and they would try to find meaning, they would try to find significance, they would try to find redemption, and what they were called. I I, I look at this, and I'm like, we have the full revelation. This is it, 66 books, no more. We have this full, and how, how often do, do we search and inquire looking for this hope to be stirred in us and encouragement? Last night, our, our family is, my dad is, is super sick right now, just like out of the blue. They, they life-flighted him last night uh, from Oregon to here at the University of Utah. And I, I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, I need encouragement. I, I need something to stir hope in me. Lord, I need you to speak. I need your word to, to give us answers, how we're to respond. What are we supposed to do? And t- listen, he's faithful to do that. He's faithful. We have a grace that is, that is ours. In, in verse Chapter Matthew 13, 17, Jesus was speaking and he said, For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and they did not see it. And they long to hear what you. We talk a lot right now about privilege. Listen, Christians, people in Christ Jesus, where we stand in history is a privileged spot. You are privileged because of the good news of the gospel and your understanding of the gospel that you have right now. You're privileged. And here's what I would say. Like any other thing that God has given us, reason for a purpose, your privilege. You've been privileged for a reason, for a purpose. Don't waste your privilege. You have a privilege in where you stand in history and what you know. They searched and inquired. They looked. What a picture time. You have the full understanding. What a picture of grace. They, they even asked in, in Matthew chapter 11, 1 through 5, Jesus is speaking there and he's instructing his 12 disciples. And it said when, in verse 2, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come? It's, it's this picture of going, all of the prophets, all of the, they're like, 
When is this going to happen? When is this redemption happening? And here's John in the New Testament standing there and he's seeing these instances and miracles and all these things that Jesus is performing. And they're like, are you the one who is to come? And here we are. We know he was the one who was to come. We have that confidence. We have that assurance. And so be encouraged by the grace that is yours, what you have. Point two. Encouraged by the faithful legacy of prophets and preachers. Be encouraged by the faithful legacy of prophets and preachers. It says in verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to the Holy Spirit. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. I appreciate that Greg brought this in, kind of our call to worship. Hebrews chapter 11 is like the hall of faith. If you read through, these are the people that like we're celebrating. They, they have been victorious in this Christian life, not without struggle, not without fault, not without failure. But they, they have continued on this upward trajectory of what it looks like to follow the Lord and be faithful. And, and so we see over and over again, as we just read, by faith, by faith by faith why is it by faith because they they didn't know they, they were looking to this thing in the future Hebrews chapter the thing 13 it says these all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth 1139 it says they did not receive what is promised and it tells of all these awesome things that they did. It says they, they, they conquered kingdoms, they, they in, in, enforced justice, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions. But it also says some really terrible things. They were, they were tortured, they were mocked, they were flogged, they were stoned, they were sawn in two. And... and we, we see like the, what we have in this Hebrews chapter 11 is this picture is these people were faithful to walk through all these secure circumstances and trials and really suffering and persecution and they were faithful with their limited knowledge and understanding. How much more faith? I want you to see in the, having this understanding what I want you to see in this is that we have been served by prophets and preachers. We have been served. We stand on the shoulders of people who were faithful. Faithful. We're, we're here today. They're, they're, we're, we're aware and we have an understanding of the gospel because people were faithful in our life. I... My, my question to us this morning is, will we be faithful to pass it on? Because what happens to us, Jesus wants to do through us. What, 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 what we've been served by, Jesus wants to use us to serve and bless others, that we would pass on this message, that we would continue on the faithful legacy of prophets and preachers. For the chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. There's that word again. 
that they may obtain the salvation that is theirs in Christ Jesus. Second Timothy says, I'm going to endure. I'm going to endure for the sake of the elect. What these prophets and preachers did, they said, I'm going to endure everything for the generations that are to come. I'm going to be faithful to follow the Lord, to serve future generations in the Lord. Let me ask you, what are you enduring for the sake of others? What are you enduring so that the gospel could be known 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now? When I think about Garrett and Brittany and I think about their sacrifice, moving here, picking up their family, young married couple, moving to Salt Lake City. Why? To leave a legacy of planting the gospel in a city where the gospel is not fully infiltrated and not fully been saturated and, and they come and they make sacrifices and they experience hardships and suffering. Yes, Salt Lake City is a great place to, to live and, and do life and raise a family. But to pick, it's, it's hard. And to pick up and, and to move and to plant your life, why? So that we can see Salt Lake City saturated with the good news of Jesus. For generation to generation to generation. Listen, church, what you're doing right now, what, what you're setting the table for, what you're investing in, is you're getting in on like the ground level. You just got like word from, from this, like your, your, your stock, you know, influencer and basically is like, hey, this is an investment that's gonna pay dividends for thousands of years. Plant your life in Salt Lake City and be all about the gospel. Think what we're doing here. I, I, don't, I don't think many of us think so much about legacy. We don't, we don't think about like, it's all about getting mine. And, and I look at these prophets and preachers, they were not serving themselves. Everything they did was for you. They were preparing the way for you. Who are we preparing the way for? I think about 2004, I, uh, I just started graduate school. I... Um, I remember I had a stirring in my heart for church planting. I had a stirring in my heart for really being missionally engaged, being involved in the people who are far from God and wanting to see them come near to God, wanting to see them come to know the good news of Jesus. And I remember I listened to this podcast and there was this this crazy guy named Armin who, who was on this podcast in 2004 talking about planting a church in inner city Portland and hearing what he did and how he engaged and, and just how he lived missionally as a family stirred me. Even knowing who Sean was in is somebody who was far off distant from even knowing who Sean Garman is, knowing the Acts 29 network that we're a part of and he was a part of it at that time and I just remember I looked up to him. He, he was a hero in the faith of just, I, I want to do that. I want to be involved in, in the lives of people like he is. And, and come full circle, now I look, Sean is leading 129 churches across the Acts 29 West. And Sean Garman sits on our board, 
our accountability board for Ecclesia. And I asked Sean, I said, hey, Sean, uh, man, I just want to know your story. Like, how did you come to know the Lord? I've told Sean numerous times, Sean, you have been so influential in my life. You stirred in me a passion and a heart to plant churches. You stirred in me a a passion and a heart to engage missionally. You stirred in me a a heart to to not look at the outward appearance of man, but like see a a person, a a soul that needs to be redeemed. I was like, Sean, you've changed my life. I'm planting a church today and I'm influencing 120 folks because of your investment. And you didn't even know you did it. You just recorded this podcast long ago. I said, how did, how did you come to know the Lord? And he said, well, I, my, my mom. My mom really invested deeply in my life. She was single mom. My dad left when we were about 11 years old. My mom raised us. My mom, things that continually just pointed that all favor, all things that she had was given to her by the Lord. She was real uh, strategic, and uh, she flourished in real estate, but she said she, she never, I, I was raised, off. she always pointed and gave all the glory to God. And she goes, I, I was raised in this house where my mom favored the Lord, believed the gospel, and here's what I'm saying. This mom raising these boys had no idea that she would raise a son who would lead Acts 29 West, who would someday film or record this podcast that would influence this guy in Wichita Falls, Texas, and motivate him to pack up his family 10 years later and move to Salt Lake City and plant a church and invest here so that we can influence, so that we can continue. And we want to see that legacy. We want to see thousands of people. And that's the thing. As I wrote to Garrett, I wrote Garrett a note, and we're going to give him a gift here a little later. I said, Garrett has left a ripple on Salt Lake City that will continue to expand and go for years and years to come that we may not even know on this side of glory. I want that to be true about all of us, that we would continue on this legacy. There's a, there's a commercial on, I don't watch a, t- a whole lot of TV, but sometimes if commercial's great, I capture it. And there, there's one, and, uh, and it's a traveler's insurance commercial. It's, it's like a father in a hardware store. And his young daughter is there, and she's running and getting supplies for him, and, and she's kind of helping him in the, the hardware store. And eventually, it, it shows her just getting older, and she's taking on more responsibility in the hardware store. And then this storm hit and kind of wiped out the hardware store, and Traveler's Insurance put it all back together. And uh, the, the father comes, and, and he, he's standing there, and the shop's all back together. It says grand opening, and he comes over, and he puts the keys in her hand, and he says, it's time. What Peter is telling us here, Peter said, you've been served by prophets and preachers. They have preached to you the good news. They have stood as sojourners, as aliens, they have, they have been mocked, they have been flogged, they have been stoned, they have transformed cities, they've stopped the mouths of lions, and he puts the keys in your hand. And what Peter is saying, it's time. 
It's your time. It's your turn. We have to continue this great tradition of the faith. Last thing I'll say is this. Be encouraged by the beauty of the gospel. Be encouraged by the beauty of the gospel. Be encouraged by the grace that hurries. Be encouraged by the faithful legacy of prophets and preachers. And be encouraged by the beauty of the gospel. This text that we read is meant to um, like, think about these angels. I, I, you know, I, I wonder, I, I've heard from folks, you know, like, I don't know about heaven. It sounds like it might get boring. Angels have, have looked upon this for eternity, and they can't look away. They can't look away. They long to look. That's what I want us to have. That we would long to look at the beauty of this good news, this good news of the gospel. It says this good news has been sent to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven and to which angels long to look. It's a message so great the angels can't stop looking at it. That's amazing. And and he, he does all of this. He, we look at this long, this long tradition and prophets preparing for this story for a future generation. And what Peter says is, he did all of this because you matter. You matter. You matter. And God sends these prophets, he sends these preachers, he sends this good news because you matter. You matter. Now my hope is is that you would see from this good news of the gospel that you would be captivated by it. You would be captivated by its beauty. That when you see the beauty of the gospel, That God gave us what we don't deserve. He gave us life. We didn't deserve life. There was nothing in us, nothing in and of ourselves, but God chose to give us life. But not only that, he didn't give us what we do deserve. We talked about this last week. It was the non-encouraging part of the message. We all deserve death. But he, he withhold it, his wrath. He gave us life. He came to us in his son Jesus. He took on our sin, our punishment, our pain. He went to the cross for us so that we could be set free. And this message of salvation, he wants our eyes to be fixed upon it, that we would be captivated by its beauty, that we would never settle for anything less. That it would hold your attention. 14 years ago, I, I proposed to my wife, talk about being captivated by beauty, Great off. And there was a trade-off that, that occurred. Romans talks about it, that we trade the truth of God for a lie. We trade this beauty of the gospel for all these lesser things. 55, I had this moment of, of a trade-off. 
I had a 1955 Chevy pickup, flat black. It was awesome. I was restoring it in the garage. But there came time to buy a ring. And, and at that moment, I'm having to settle for, like, what's the greater beauty? What's the lesser beauty? What's the, I'm, I'm having to wrestle with this, right? And you're like, Justin, if you want to tell the story right, you should say it wasn't a wrestle, right? Like, but I, there's this tension. I'm like, what am I going to do? I got to buy a ring. If I'm going to secure this relationship, if, if I want to withhold this, this beauty forever, then I, I got to buy a ring, and rings cost money, and I got to get some money, and the only thing I have of value is this 1955 Chevy pickup, and so my kids and I talk about time. Dad sold his truck to get married, and that's really, it's what you and I but it's not a wrestle. There's nothing. Because the truth is, the beauty of the gospel, there's nothing that stands even close. When you get captivated by the gospel, you can't look away. And my hope and, and, and my, my desire and my prayer and, and what Peter prays is that This message that has been sent to you that is good news, that angels long to look. May you keep your eyes focused on that as you try to navigate what it looks like to live in this world. Because there's no greater beauty. It will help steer your life. It will help navigate your life if you'll be captivated by this beauty. William Tyndale who is the pioneer translator of the Bible into English, says this. Evangelion, the word we call the gospel, is a Greek word signifying good, merry, glad, and joyful news that makes a man's heart glad and makes him sing, dance, and leap for joy. That's what the gospel is. When's the last time at Ecclesia? We've sang, we've leaped, we've danced for joy. We need to do that more often because we have good news. We have great news. To celebrate this gospel is great, great life. William Tyndale wrote those words in 1525, and he sealed them with a martyr's death. What a world we live in. That something so happy, so joyful, and where anything that would transform our heart would be so hated. And we're entering into a time where that is even more true today. Where people are no longer neutral about our faith in Jesus. In fact, they, they despise it. They even want to be antagonistic against it. We're going to need the beauty of the gospel to help us. We're going to need the beauty of the gospel to steer us, to overwhelm us. We're going to need this news that makes us sing, dance, and leap for joy. I hope you have that this morning.
And I would just say to you this morning, if, if you don't, I pray that you wouldn't turn away today. I pray that if you're here this morning and you lack the saving faith that the Father has come, just pray, read these stories by faith, by faith, by faith, that you would just this morning even just pray in your heart that God would stir a passion in you, that he would cause you to search and inquire the scriptures to know us is and and the timing and I'm telling you here it is it's in Jesus Jesus is the person and today is the day of salvation listen if you don't know the good news of the gospel the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners like you and I you and I and there's nothing we must do because we can never do enough There's nothing we must work for because we can't heap up these good deeds. We receive the gift of forgiveness and the grace that is to be ours. Church, I I pray and hope that this encourages you this morning to live faithfully for what we're going to step into next week because next week we turn a corner. We're going to be talking really practically, an exile's guide to life. How do we live out this faith in a world that's not our home? We need that help. Let's pray together. Father, we we thank you for our privilege. We thank you for the the position in history, the, the place and time in which you have us here today that we're not lacking any information. We have the full revelation of God. God, you've given us your complete word to guide, to instruct our lives. Lord, help us to search it. Help us to it for hope, for answers. Thank you for how you've been faithful to do that for us. Lord, I pray this morning that you would encourage us, that you would say, in a way, you're passing the keys and saying, it's Leia, it's our time. We, we want to lay a, a path, to lay a track, that, to lay a foundation for generation after generation after generation can come to know the good news of Jesus. May we not be people who serve ourselves, but endure for the sake of others. And Lord, help us to be captivated. Even as we we sing here in a moment, Lord, help us to be captivated by your beauty. Lord, let us not settle for anything lesser. Give us full eyes, unveiled faces that fully see who you are. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.